Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Georgian trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! What up, what up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name's Nick Ingvall with my guys Mike and Robbie to talk some kicks, to talk some business tonight. So <laughs> what's going on, fellas? Shoot, not too much, man. Just kind of waiting out the rain around here. Some would say we're about that business. Duh. Some would, some would. Not agreed. I'm good. Ready to ready to um, to clock in, so to speak, for talking business. Yeah, you and me both, man. So <laughs> before we get into that, what uh, what are you guys, what are you guys rocking lately? What are you copping? Uh, rocking. What did I have on? I had my OG Instapump Furies on today and i think the past couple of days actually i've been wearing those and copping right now i guess i just got my eyes on the the space hippies right now I'll see if that uh that works out i actually wore my v1 vapor maxes today so the Ooh. first i think it was like the debut not the air max uh id colorway but like the one of the first like release releases mm-hmm. and um that shoe is not very comfortable man i mean like I wear it every couple months because I like the way it looks. But for as great as an idea it is to have, you know, no TPU or foam between your airbag and your foot, when you step wrong, you can really feel that airbag like directly into the ball of your foot. It's a cleat, so, man. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely um, it has its cons, but I like the way it looks, so I keep wearing it. Um, and when it comes to copping. Um, not really buying anything, but Nick and I were just talking about how good those Animal Instinct 2.0s looked. Y'all like those? I, I don't like them for two hundred and fifty. If I can find <laughs> maybe fifty nine ninety nine, I'll like them. But I don't know; they just look weird to me. I'm not a big animal skin fur person. If I could find them forty percent off or free, like yeah, that'd be cool. Well, but free, yeah, I'm rocking for free. So I, 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 my theory is that I like them because I keep seeing good pictures of them. And then uh, if I were to get them, I'd be, I might wear them once. And then I'd be like, uh, I'm not, I'm never wearing those again. You know, like it's one of those things <laughs> where I know that I shouldn't buy them. So, but I, I, they have grown on me a whole lot, but, um, I was, I was rocking the last couple of days, the, uh, uh, bands, TNT, advanced prototype it's like the tony trujillo signature shoe um they had a collab with the giants a couple years ago and uh it's kind of my go-to shoe if i'm gonna 
skate around the neighborhood. So nice. Max was trying to get a trying to get our little pup on the on the skateboard. Uh, <laughs> d- didn't go didn't go as planned, but she she did she did get like pushed around a little bit before she started just hopping off and biting the wheels. So <laughs> uh, gonna keep trying though. But uh, not uh, every dog is ready for that Instagram fame of riding a skateboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and as far as Coppin, honestly, like I forgot that they came out, but I need to find some of those uh, those Air Max nineties. Forget what shade of orange they are, but they're just kind of oh. like the the you know standard like gray and black, but with orange accents. The home and away ones with the jewel swoosh on it. No, no, just the regular ones. They look like the oh. Volt ones or any of the other, the pink ones, the purple ones. You know, they've they've pretty yeah. much run through all those colors. And I saw like on Twitter earlier that there was, uh, you know, people saying that this, the smaller sizes were left. So hopefully I can find a pair of those before, uh, I don't know, whenever. I'm not in a rush. But <laughs> yeah. I, it's one of those things where like I feel like they're hyped up right now. And people won't care about them six months from now, so they'll be on eBay for like seventy-five bucks. I hope. Yeah, it's kind of how it goes. Um, so before we get into the rest of the episode, wanted to read a review from iTunes. We got a review from King Sunset. He says, "Great show, one of my favorite podcasts. I really enjoy the storytelling and the history of sneakers they discuss. I also like the personal storytelling the three hosts have with the sneakers." I recommend not listening while driving because these guys will have you Google searching LeBron LeBron 8 V2 Summit Lake or another shoe you don't remember off the top of your head. Just kidding. I've never done that before. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. This, hey, I, I mean, King Sunset, I can, I can, I can kind of relate because every time I get on here with these guys, I find myself Googling and adding search, save searches to my eBay. I'm like, okay, well, these are shoes that I need to get. So now I've got my wish list went, you know, before we started doing the podcast, what it's been a little over a year now, I feel like my wish list was at like, you know, a modest 50 shoes. Now I'm probably <laughs> at like 150. <laughs> oh, easy. Yeah, dude. Mine does the same thing. I look, I'm like, oh my God. And half of them, I'm like, I'm never going to buy this. Like there's so many Jordan 15s that we talked about that, that one day and a bunch of 14s. I'm like, come on, what am I doing here? <laughs> yep. Yep. I got a... Uh, I got to then throw my little story in. Um, Drew Whitcomb posted a picture of the Air Jordan 2011 he bought in 2011. And I went and I had like four pairs of 2011s in my watching um, older or watching section of eBay. And I was like, man, I'm going to mess around and do something stupid and buy a pair of worn Air Jordan 2011s. And double before we segue, I didn't get to bring this up last time. But um, thank you to Shoeseum for giving me this little crystal 2K4 Hirachi little paperweight thing. Uh, he randomly has called me. He's like, hey, come out front. I was going to give you this. So he remembered I like the 2K4. It's my favorite Nike shoe ever. I had this cool little trinket I'm playing with as I talk right now. So <laughs> thank you for that. Appreciate so- it. Yeah, and I think he's got a is his his last uh, like auction with Sotheby's. Is it has it ended yet? I, I didn't see the the close on it, but it's still going on. It is a pair of the original, like one of the first, if not the first, um, track spike. Yeah, Bill Bowerman, That's a wild shoe. Um, it was John May's shoe that was made specifically 
for him by Bill Bowerman by hand. His own two hands built this shoe. So it's like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people know this, but it was before even Blue Ribbon Sports. So this is a couple steps before Nike, but just um, a, a true piece of sneaker history that if we all combined our all-time worths, I don't think we could afford it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, for real. congratulations to whoever wins that shoe. Yeah, and we'll we'll put a link to the to the auction uh, in the description to, so you can check it out because it's it's definitely something worth worth taking a look at because it's just it's just wild to see the origins of of you know and how far things have come with with you know sneakers and track spikes and all that stuff. So, I mean, I haven't even seen the tip of his iceberg, and just like a couple times I've been in that studio, you're you're just like, oh, that's literal. That's like a literal 1974 like version one issue one nike well okay that's that's really crazy you that's keep like, looking around like, that's that's crazy that's that you sound like a broken record that's skipping <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep so uh there was some some interesting news today that uh kind of it's it's funny we had wanted to talk about this uh, a little bit earlier but it kind of actually worked out for the best because we we couldn't all uh, hop on and and talk about it, but we wanted to talk about you know athletes and their business endeavors because specifically in like the sneaker world, but you know we'll probably ebb and flow uh, in and out of that with like the various deals that they've had. But um, you know LeBron and and Mav Carter announced today that you know they have Spring Hill uh, kind of. They had already started it, but they they basically you know made it official and had the whole Bloomberg article and all that. And basically, it's just uh you know it's it's just LeBron like doing his thing. Um, but before we get too deep into that whole story, we kind of want to go back and look at some of the other players throughout the years that have had success, you know, on off the field, off the off the court, because inevitably everything becomes political during this time for some reason, but obviously like athletes are human, just like all of us. Right. So some of them are going to find business success and some of them are passionate about that. So this kind of started around the conversation of like, you know, uh, I can't remember who it is that always says like, you know, shut up and dribble or whatever, but it's like, fuck the bullshit. Like, let's just look at the real success of these people because some of these athletes are so incredibly successful and you know, it's just, it's just the nature of the internet, right? Where the people that are out there talking shit are usually the people that aren't doing anything because the people that are doing things don't have time to be talking shit and trolling people on the internet. They're out doing and, and making their lives what they want their lives to be. So, um, I'm going to toss it to Robbie because he's got a handful of, of pretty good ones to, to kick us off with. Yeah, it, it's Laura Ingram who who said that uh, the white she devil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Facts. Just kidding. There's a couple of those, but I mean, from a Fox standpoint, definitely not my favorite person to listen to. But um, before we get fully into it, um, and we'll probably talk about it more later. But just the things that Mav Carter and LeBron have been able to do together. Um, I've just been so powerful. It just shows like if you support each other and help bring your friends up, you know, everybody can eat, everybody can succeed. And, um, 
I don't, I never liked how Phil Jackson, like what called like LeBron is posse or something, like try to have like a negative connotation about a whole bunch of self-made millionaires. And I thought that was really ignorant, but, um, some, some other players, I mean, generations before LeBron, Know, laid the groundwork for for him to do what he does, and I'm sure he looks he looks up to a whole bunch of different role models. And I believe one of those role models, and one of the reasons why he came to the Lakers was one Magic Johnson, who, you know, other than you know fighting off HIV longer than anybody else on earth, um, you have a businessman that pretty much has no equal until LeBron. I think LeBron, you know, when it's all said and done is going to be right up there with Magic and Michael in terms of just like power players in business. But uh, Magic Johnson, you know, if, if you've been around the West Coast, you know, sometime over the last 25 years, you've probably been to one of his movie theaters. Um, I know he's a minority owner in the Dodgers. At one point, he had his hand in the Lakers itself. You know, you might have sat down at one of his restaurants. He used to own a bunch of Burger Kings and TGI Fridays. Uh, might have worked out at one of his 24-hour fitnesses. But just, uh, the Magic Johnson Enterprises, that's like what, what it's known as, uh, has just done so much and had his hands in so many things that it, 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 like, it makes you pause and it's like really appreciate how everybody should strive to just you know, do more than just dribble, even if you're not a basketball player, but you can, you can be multifaceted as a human and people like Magic Johnson really showed, you know, the kids that came up after him, you know, how to properly use and how they can properly use their money. Um, Any, any thoughts on magic before I push on through? No, magic was the first athlete. I remember like as a kid, you hear about like this magic Johnson theaters and stuff like that. Besides Michael Jordan, of course, with the Jordan brand, but Magic Johnson was the first athlete I could tell you as just being younger, being able to say, oh, he had endeavors after basketball. Because clearly I didn't realize like that young didn't, I couldn't tell you, oh, I saw him play. I I didn't. (laughs) So everything I knew about him was business first. And then, of course, oh, I knew he was a great basketball player. But the things we saw as we were growing up, like me and Robbie was like, oh, he's a businessman. That really speaks volumes. That is, you know, he's a legendary basketball player, but then goes into being a uh, powerful, you know, business owner and you know, using that to do, you know, good for his community. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, you know, we for our age range, Magic is probably the first, right? Where you know he's so public with everything that he does that you know we got to know that he was doing all these things you know, where I think potentially like, you know, before him, there were probably other athletes that, that, you know, obviously had success in business and, you know, we just, we don't, aren't kind of privy to that just because it's a generational thing, but magic was for sure. Like the, you know, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, he gets a bad rap in today's world because his Twitter hot takes are, are definitely lacking, um, although I love seeing them, but it's, it's almost like the most obvious, you know, if like I could look at Twitter and, and almost expect magic to be like, Hey, it's bl- blue skies and sunny today. 
and you'd be like, what? (laughs) Yeah, obviously, you know, but, um, but I also think that like, you know, that's just the nature of, of now. And, you know, anybody that got to see him, you know, towards the end of his career and, and getting bigger into the business world, you know, obviously the, you know, he's, he's always been a very like personable and likable guy. So he became the face of a lot of businesses, but then I think he realized really quickly as he, you know, headed into retirement, you know, being the face and owning the business at the same time, like Robbie said, you know, you could literally go into, you know, restaurants that he owned, gyms that he owned, movie theaters that he owned. You could literally experience like all aspects of entertainment after work on a Friday night in something that Magic Johnson owned, which is kind of bananas when you think about it. And that's magic. (laughs) (laughs) I really hope I really hope that he ended press conference, like not press conferences, but like business pitches with like, and that's magic. And I know he wouldn't, but like, that'd be really funny. Um, (laughs) I'm happy you brought up his social media presence because it's the most cookie cutter, like cookie cutter, like feed that there's ever been. But at the same time, it's always cool because like, you know, a lot of people like don't always love every aspect of their family or basically Matt Meta Johnson's had uh, maybe not always the easiest, you know, adulthood in terms with like, you know, his wife and kids and growing up and making mistakes and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you see him and his wife and his family and they all look happy. They're all together. So I think that like the fact that he could balance being an athlete, you know, having so much public spotlight put on him for good, bad, misinterpreted reasons and still, you know, 20 years later be thriving as a unit with his family. I think that's really cool. Even if it is like boringly bland and like maybe a little like, you know, you know, out of, uh, what's what I'm looking for. It's like out of sync with what's going on. Talking about how like nice it is outside when there's a lot of like, bad stuff going on outside. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're just like, you know, magic, you know, he has his own way of like portraying himself and, and it's very different from the next guy I have here who is another Laker, um, one Shaquille O'Neal, who is quite a bit more outspoken than magic. <laughs> quite a, quite a bit. Um, <laughs> I think the most interesting venture Shaq has is the fact that he's DJ Shaq. You guys know about that? I forget about that one. He like legitimately like has people coming to his DJ sets and has like a lot of fun. And I was just thinking how much fun I would have off of a fifth of tequila watching Shaq jump around on stage. That'd be pretty fun. Does he have his own like festival now? I don't know the name of it, but like I thought he had something like I mean, simple enough Shaq fest. I don't know if it made that up. You know, put Shaq in front of anything, and it could be it. But it's like Shaq is Shaq brings the energy, not like magic doesn't, but it's Shaq from the time he was, you know, LSU always had his own brand of energy and enthusiasm. And, um, he knew very early into his career. Um, hence why he went to the Lakers that he, that he, um, he had, uh, aspirations outside the basketball court. So, I mean, I, I should probably confess, like I was, uh, one of the people that owned his first uh, two or three CDs. I mean, they went like, platinum, which is insane, right? 
Like he has plaques with this. Yeah, I mean he he had he had like Def Jeff and Foosh Nickens. Like he had like some <laughs> some like decent collabs on on you know decent, like, <laughs> partners on a couple of those tracks. So I mean I think I, I know like by the time like the either the second or third album like Wu Tang was on there. So I mean it's not really a surprise when you think about those things, but like it's crazy to think that he was doing this while he was playing basketball too. What did you have? Not, not not music. Did you have Shaq Fu, the video game? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't have Shaq Fu, the video game. <laughs> I never owned it. But I would buy the retro version. There you go. <laughs> I watched Steel probably 100 times on HBO at like 2 in the afternoon growing up. So I, I, I'm Kazam, a, yep. <laughs> but, you know, this, all those different ventures from being a legitimate rapper to a legitimate – well asterisk next to legitimate rapper uh, a popular <laughs> musical artist <laughs> a popular musical artist to being like a viable dj to being i mean i'm sure everybody who's listening probably knows about what happened with uh, you know john from papa john's and how he kind of got into a little um snafu with his- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, canceled. so right after that Shaq joined as a board of director for papa john's and now you have Shaq being Papa. They need to change it to Big Papas. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, he has that. At one point, Shaq owned 155 Five Guys, um, pardon me, Five Guys Burger restaurants. Uh, he owned Auntie Anne's, uh, Krispy Kreme. Um, he has a restaurant in Vegas, which I heard is legitimately good from friends who have been there, called Big Chicken. Big Chicken? Big Chicken. Okay. Uh, and then he has another place called Shaquille's, which is a mm-hmm. burger joint in L.A. So food, music, dancing, because I, I, I don't know. I like to watch Shaq dance. He's funny. Oh, dude, you got to mention his, his affordable shoe deal. I mean, the ones he had in, like, I mean, back in the day where they were Kmart, they were in uh, Walmarts. I think they still are in Walmarts. And then uh, it was like Payless, like – he and he wore his shoes like he wore those shoes on the court. He's he's a man of many skills. Yeah. Yep. But just I mean, I'm really impartial. Just kidding. I I, I love Shaq more than anything on earth. So <laughs> he's just like a big ball of fun. Like say what you want about his you know work ethic on the court throughout his NBA career. Man just wanted to have a good time, and that's cool. Um, yeah. Now, a little toss in just because I brought up five guys and I remember watching the video of this person talk about it. Um, Gilbert Arenas helped bring five guys to the West Coast, which is random, yeah. but thank you because I love five guys. So that's cool with me. But uh, yeah, Gilbert that is such a random one. <laughs> well, you know, it can't be the only one, right? Like I, we didn't have uh, the fortitude to really go and search MB, every NBA player to have some kind of, you know, endeavor out off the court. But you could even go to like Andre Iguodala, right? You yeah. know you know that he's um, that he's well versed with technology and he's a he's a player in that space. So you have people who might not want you to come sit down at a restaurant, but you have people like Andre Iguodala and to a even further extent, you know, the venture capitalist Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, 
using their money to kind of diversify and have their hands in a whole bunch of different avenues from New York to Silicon Valley. Well, I think, I think the interesting thing about all of this, right. You, you know, mentioned Shaq already knowing like he was, he himself was the brand coming out of school or even at LSU, right. He already knew he was the brand. So like he had his logo for his shoes already. And I think that mentality is only going to become more and more normalized because that's the way it should be. Like if you know you're going to be a professional basketball player, no matter what you do outside of basketball, you know that basketball is going to get you enough eyes and visibility to where you should have your own branding. You should have your own, you know, like, I mean, I don't, I'm not suggesting like go and making shoes if you don't care about it, but if that's your thing, then that's your thing, you know, and Shaq kind of, was the, I don't know, kind of like the poster child for all of those endorsements. And, you know, that quote when he came out where he's like, all I want to do is drink Pepsi, wear Reebok and play basketball. That's kind of the mentality that I think a lot of, you know, young athletes should look up to and admire because taking it a step further into the business side of things, right? We all can be passionate about sneakers, but to really understand how the business of sneakers works it takes a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of mistakes and a lot of changes and challenges and all of that stuff. I mean, I personally butt heads with a lot of people because I'm very strong. I have a strong opinion around a lot of sneaker stuff because I'm so passionate about it. And it's not that I'm trying to like say your opinion sucks, but I also, if, if this, you know, decision that potentially we're debating about is me giving you my opinion because like, Hey, I've got, you know, 20 years of obsessing over this or whatever it is, I'm not trying to take your opinion down. I'm just trying to make the best decision for our business or whatever our partnership looks like, whether that's me in a, you know, a, a job or like a consulting role. And that's the interesting thing that I think going back to like the whole of this conversation about athletes being entrepreneurs, you get so much experience in those worlds when you have a Nike deal, right? Like, yeah, some guys might just be dismissive and be like, Hey, my agent's going to handle all this. But like, if you're a basketball player specifically, you more than likely are into sneakers to some extent. And the idea that you could potentially have either your own PE, your own signature line or your own logo with a brand like Nike or Reebok or Adidas or whomever that's an exciting thing. And you can get into that and learn a ton about what goes on in those situations that you can for sure take and apply to other aspects of, of business outside of footwear. And I think that's the interesting thing about this, where it's, it's just really ignorant to think that because someone is an athlete, they can't be smart. And it's also ignorant to not realize that like people that become professional athletes, get opportunities to learn business at levels that the average consumer or student or person will never be able to learn at because they have that access. Robbie mentioned before we started recording about, you know, LeBron being on Zoom calls with Nike employees. And those kind of things are powerful ways. We might be able to hit up a, a, a friend at Nike or Adidas or Reebok or something and, and have a conversation. But imagine being LeBron 
and going, Hey, I want to learn about what you do in this business. And literally the entire organization is like, of course, we're going to tell you everything we, we know about this organization, about this business and our process and how it works. Right. And to me, that's like the thing that's missing in this conversation. You know, it's, I don't even think it is a conversation really. I just can't imagine anyone looking at athletes and not understanding the incredible amount of experience and access that they have to understand business outside of just being an athlete. Hmm. It's only people who don't want to see it. I mean, that's going back to, you know, the opening, we're talking about the people saying, you know, shut up and dribble. They, they're, these people are in the news. These people do this on a daily basis. They know exactly what these athletes are doing. Like that's just purely ignorant not to even acknowledge it because each and every one of them, I mean, I know we were just talking about Shaq, but you look at even a different sport. We'll, we'll jump into like tennis. Venus and Serena dominated the, the field for, for years. I mean, Serena still does. And I mean, besides what people know about that, I mean, they are Venus is a CEO of an interior design company. Uh, they, she has her own sportwear line. Uh, Serena is part of 34 startups and they both own partial share or minority stakes in the Miami Dolphins and UFC, which uh, even though the Dolphins are, are pretty rough, they're one of, probably one of the most profitable teams, and the UFC continues to like grow and just build profit after profit. So the fact that no one no, no one asks about it, they like to see the product on TV, and then that's it. They're like, all right, cool. They're good at sport. That's all I need to know. Well, I mean, some people play even more into like them just – looking good on tv like think about chris paul right mm-hmm. like chris paul's on-court persona is a thousand percent different than those adorable commercials with him and little chris like the state farm <laughs> ones <I'm> a, <laughs> i know chris paul is not nick's favorite person but little chris <laughs> little chris is the most adorable little guy I've ever seen so it's like anytime you get a commercial with those two i think it's magic but um you know James Harden too. He's very much in those same commercials with Chris Paul. And well, he like, used to be, not anymore. <laughs> I mean, maybe not with him, but he's still in commercials. <laughs> like, I'm sure. I think he's still doing State Farm commercials. But like some people, you know, and I'm sure both those athletes have very smartly invested their money, very wisely, you know, put it in the right place. But you know, if if you can make money on the uh, while still playing. And you're, and you can be your brand, you know, rolling with that's a, a viable option too. Yeah. It's like James Harden now, I don't know what many people know, but he's now a uh, part owner, probably minority owner of the Houston Dynamo, which is our MLS team. And that happened a couple months back. I think the other thing that's really interesting, you know, like talking about shifting sports, right? I'm not condoning any Yankees fans. Sorry, I can't stand the nah. Yankees. I, I'll never, I'll never co-sign the Yankees, but... <laughs> If I'm going to co-sign anyone who wore the pinstripes, it would be Derek Cheater. He started the Players' Tribune, and I think that's a really fascinating idea, too. Sports in itself is such a massive business, right? I mean, granted, you know, right now we don't have sports the way we normally do, but we're talking about just so much money that is out there in the world of sports, and... To see Derek Jeter go through, you know, like I know he has many other business ventures, 
he's a part owner of the Miami Marlins. But the Players Tribune was really fascinating to me when they started it, partly because they they you know brought on a bunch of people that I knew from you know the media world because that I was really working in at that time when he retired. But it was also fascinating because it kind of made me realize like sports is such a it's such a talking head kind of thing, right? Everybody that, you know, we've talked about all the guys like, you know, uh, the, the Shannon Sharp debates and, and Bill Simmons and, you know, Stephen A. Smith and all these people that, you know, th- do they really have, I mean, Shannon Sharp's a bad example because he played, but <laughs> any of these guys that are, you know, the Skip Baylesses of the world, right? Do they really have a reason to be listened to in terms of how much attention people give them other than the fact that they're, you know, primarily just like super opinionated and outspoken. And I understand that that's just part of media, but the player's tribune was created kind of with the opposite of approach, right? It was Derek Jeter basically looking at the way things worked saying, look, all these media outlets have somebody else speaking on behalf of the players. So why don't we build a media platform and a media company that allows the players to speak from the, for themselves as a, you know, to this news outlet. And that to me is genius because it takes away so much of the, the questioning that happens in the back and forth that happens. And you really get to understand on a, on a very like intimate level, what these athletes go through. And I think that, that is like, just like as an idea is such a powerful concept, you know, and, and, I know the Players Tribune has, you know, it's it's remained successful, I would say. I don't think it has quite the same energy that it came out the gates with, but it's still a regular spot for me to go and check to see if there are people there that, you know, athletes there that are that are, you know, participating or writing or, you know, whatever that I want to consume that those stories because I would say that the Players Tribune is like the medium of the sports world, right? It's like the most honest and free flowing of straight from the athlete to, you know, your, your phone kind of storytelling and and information. And that is the most honest in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, especially like you said, the the athletes telling their stories and put them on there. I'd rather read that than listen to, you know, Skip Bayless whine and complain about LeBron for no apparent reason. So, yeah, I, I hope that it would pick up steam again at some point uh, because like, I really do enjoy those player-driven stories as opposed to people just who think they know the story and yell about it and give their opinions when they really have no stake in it. Yeah, I mean, don't we all love those really heartfelt you know, articles from the Players' Tribune? I know I do, but it's just, mm-hmm. you know, it, first-hand reporting and first-hand experiences are always the best. And when you have it coming straight from the athlete's mouth, like, you know, let's use the, you know, the old trope for the people, by the people. But, you know, a Players' Tribune really, really was or is for the people, by the people, but players, you know. So that's super dope. I mean, I wish there was just a really pretty database for like, oh, this player's done this, this player's done this. But... Jeter is just one of those people where I'm sure he has a lot of things going on 
behind the scenes and has since like the early 2000s, right? Just yeah, for sure. Is you know yeah. the most successful, and in a moment here we'll come even more full circle. The most successful people have a team around them, you know, i.e., you know, like LeBron and Matt Carter type thing. Um, Kevin Durant's uh, business partner, that white guy. Oh, I can't think of his name right now. But uh, they're super tight. They're like close, close. And, and you need those kind of people around you to tell you that's a bad idea and to tell you, you know, when your ideas are good, too. So. Yeah, most definitely. And, and I think that, you know, is definitely a, a takeaway from, you know, as we, you know, I think there's a couple more people we could should touch on. Obviously, we're not going to hit everybody you know, that is an athlete that has success in business, but like, just like off the top, right. You're going to think of like football, you've got David Beckham, right? Like you can't, you can't really go anywhere in a mall without seeing something David Beckham still to this day, you know, like, and then he's a, he's a team owner. He's got his own, you know, cologne line, all that stuff. Obviously Adidas deals galore, even guys like Tony Hawk, you don't even think of them as, as as forefront of this conversation, right? But Tony Hawk has has to be one of the most successful business people outside of the actual sport that he's involved in, right? Because he literally has over the years had has had everything in skateboarding to you know shoes to decks to you know wheels, and obviously the video game world, right? Like to me, mm-hmm. it's just like, there's so much money in that. There's obviously way more money in the video game world than there is in actual skateboarding. And he's one of the most successful, if not the most successful skateboarder ever. But still you're looking at like, you're not just going to be one thing, right? You're going to, you're going to want to do a bunch of different things, especially if you have, you know, the financial resources to take those risks and start, you know, your own whatever. So, um, and I think like, you know, kind of just to throw it back to Robbie, obviously one of the most, you know, important and probably successful in business, um, you know, recently would be Kobe Bryant. I read that, um, I read that, uh, you know what, I'm just going to toss it to you and I'm going to look up the numbers because (laughs) Vanessa Bryant got, got paid so well, off of Kobe's uh, body armor deal. So, yeah, I mean, that's where I was going to start, too. I mean, body armor is one of those products where I'm sure a lot of people see it in the grocery store, uh, but maybe they don't take the dive because they want Gatorade still. But body armor is legitimately good. Yeah, it's pretty solid. I quite enjoy it. But, you know, that's one of the bigger things. Um, The next, and I would say probably biggest aspect of Kobe post-basketball would be his, you know, commitment to the next generation of basketball through his Mamba Sports Academy. And I can think of, you know, they're not businesses, so to speak, but how many players either in the game or, you know, in retirement have their hand in either AAU or, you know, think Penny Hardaway, uh, you know, Bobby Hurley, really random people. But, you know, going into coaching is a great segue into the next, you know, stage of your life. Kobe wasn't so much a coach. I mean, he was on the court coaching a lot. So I guess that was uh, the definition of a coach. But, um, you know, but being like the backbone and not only, you know, 
the money bags behind the operation, but to have a true investment with not only the girls and, you know, young athletes he'd bring in, but the professional athletes who he'd come in and mentor also. So like the Mamba Sports Academy is just like the the most Kobe thing ever. Cause yeah, a lot of people go and coach their kids AAU team or they open up a, you know, a basketball program or, you know, they do something with basketball. Not nah, Kobe just opened up a whole Academy with a building, you know, 16 courts, you know, I don't know how big it really is, but just took it to the next level and just elevated it the most Kobe Bryant way. Um, so you have stuff like that. And then you have, you know, his Oscar endeavors and his book deals and just, you know, dear basketball, the one, the short film or short animated piece he won an Oscar for. I haven't watched it since cause I'm gonna cry like a baby if I do, but just to have the vision, have the idea and then enlist the people to help you see it through and succeed is again, having a group of people around you helping push the right ideas. Um, you know, Kobe was great at that. Um, you know, the books, I don't, Nick, didn't you send me this book here? I'm, I'm thinking of that. I can't think of off the top of my head yeah. by name. I want to call it wonder shows in that's a TV show. <laughs> you really like nailed it though. It's, it's basically like most parents are like, I'm going to go coach my AAU, my kids, AAU team. Kobe was basically like, I'm going to be the AAU coach for the entire world of basketball. That kind of desire to make everyone around him better is what is the most admirable about most of what these people that we're talking about do. And going back to like the the team thing, right? You know, Kobe basically that just to go back to I'm reading here, Kobe invested five million to to uh, body armor in 2013. And last month, Vanessa Bryant, they announced that she would be receiving 200 million in return from that investment. So, you know, seven years later, it's it's paying off. But, you know, even without really knowing, you know, that Kobe had influence on any person that he could that was connected to that because he's going to want it to be successful. And I think that is surrounding yourself with people that can be pushing you to do better you know, challenging you to do better. That to me is, is I think what I see when I look at LeBron and Mav Carter, because inevitably they're always doing something that is, you know, it's almost like outdoing each other individually too, right? They're always, you know, there's just such a competitive nature, but that also brings the most competitive people and the most driven people to be a part of all of their endeavors, which is just a, an amazing thing to, to watch. I think this announcement is no surprise, really. Like, you know, there was rumors around this, um, you know, I think, I think before like the, the coronavirus stuff came in and kind of shut things down, but they basically received like a hundred million dollar investment, um, to kind of kick off their own, um, I, I mean, I don't even know. It's basically like just an, an agency, right? So they, they, they want to like focus on the black community. They want to focus on creating authentic stories that, you know, for people that they kind of feel have been kind of ignored or underserved or even, you know, like pandered to, right? 
Yeah, and I mean, just looking at it, it's crazy. I didn't, there's so many things that he's, I guess, a part of that I didn't realize it was. I mean, I knew he had a, a deal with, say, like Warner Brothers to begin with. I had no idea that the deal was so deep that him and his associates actually had offices on the, the set to produce their films, which, again, they're trying to tell stories for those people who are, are underserved and, and kind of overlooked. So that's one thing I had no clue how, how much he had in stake there. I thought he was just, Kind of pushing a, uh, you know, pushing a production uh, title for you know a new Space Jam movie, which I was mistaken. That plays into the fact that he won't just shut up and dribble. LeBron isn't yep. the kind of guy to just uh, show up and put his name on it. Uh, not breathe. Um, what was the name of that mindful app? Did you see the, the commercials for LeBron James? Yeah, uh, I think it was called Breathe. I think. Hold on. I'll, you keep going. I'll double check. But I remember those commercials. Oh, it's it's called uh, um, Calm. C A L M. There we go. Okay, close enough. No, <laughs> like, I, I remember seeing that, and it came out of nowhere. I didn't know what Calm was. Like, just I see LeBron James, and in a commercial for this app, but I instantly knew it was legit because LeBron James showed up for it. Like. Yeah. That man is not about putting his name on, you know, a pair of, and uh, you can put anything in this example, but just LeBron James isn't just going to attach his name to anything. So it instantly gives validity to a product and an app that I've never heard of. So it even makes me think about it six months later. So that's really powerful, right? Then we have the Beats by Dre deal. Which you know astronomical. Um, what I think he made a hundred million off of that when he bought in. Um, now, pardon me, when it got bought out or bought by Apple, Apple in 2014. Yeah. Yep. He, he's also gone a little bit of the route of the food. He owns a lot of Blaze pizzas. So you have music, you have technology, you have media, you have well, film is a media. But like a media outlet or a base, yeah, film. And we haven't even brought up Undisputed, which is, you know, gold every time I watch it. Wait. You mean uninterrupted? Yeah. Did, did I say Undisputed? Yeah, I was like, he don't own that show, does he? He should go punch Skip Bayless in the face. <laughs> I just, all these U words has got me messed up. But, <laughs> thank you for correcting me. But I mean, everything is just like, I mean, it's a, it's a played out term, but black excellence, right? Like people around him, just LeBron's the man. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. He is crazy. I mean, you covered all like the the huge things. I mean, he does does, like his smaller ventures, like his was the sneaker store in Miami. Is it what called unknown? I mean, that's a small skill compared to what he, you know, what he's into with like his billion dollar deal with Nike and, and all the stuff that you mentioned, Robbie, but he, it just shows that he does things on all levels. Cause doesn't his, even his wife own like, uh, I don't know if it's more than one now, but like juice shops, like it was, it's crazy. Like they, they have their hands in everything from, you know, sneakers, to Nike, the media it is just shows that he wants to be again more than just an athlete which is it's one of his his mantras things that he pushes other athletes you're more than that yes this got you here now use it to to put you in different doors and different rooms and i mean this 
this article comes with today about Spring Hill just literally is the embodiment of that. And it's crazy. Say more about Nike. About Nike? I mean, shoot, the deal that he cut to, like, what, over a lifetime? I don't, they don't give the exact years, but it says it's supposed to be worth over a billion dollars when it's all said and done. And then, you know, what, what Nick mentioned, he's on Zoom calls with Nike employees. I mean, pfft, the guy literally does it all and wants to be a part of it. He's not just signing papers and collecting checks. Yeah, I mean, and it's and it's just everywhere too, right? It's like anything that is close to where he's at, right? I mean, I know, uh, I don't know if you guys mentioned, but like he owns a supplement company called Ladder, which started a couple years back. What is his? Yeah, like Ladder is, is LeBron and his trainer. Okay. And then, you know, just thinking of like, the, you know, we've talked about it on previous episodes, but just thinking about like the school, right? All of the more nonprofit type businesses that he's involved in to just do the right thing, right? And not to be, you know, punny but with it, but like, that's really what it is, right? Like he's just doing the things that are right. If, if you have this kind of success, just keep going and doing and creating and like, whether that's being an entertainer on the court, being an entertainer off the court, helping create entertaining stuff, creating supplements, creating the Nike stuff. I mean, all of it is just like, to me, it's just like, I have to just step back and just be like, man, it's just, you know, it's rare that I would ever say this, but like, if I were to ever have kids, I would want them to look up to LeBron James. Oh yeah. Like, I don't think that you should should have your kids looking up to all athletes because I think athletes inevitably are held to crazy, unrealistic standards. But somehow LeBron seems to almost across the board live up to whatever expectation you could possibly have for someone and then take it 10 steps higher. Yep. No, I mean, that's well said. Kind of like the towards the end of the article, the quote from LeBron says, who calls Muhammad Ali as a role model basically says everyone was so fascinated about how great a boxer he was. I think that, I think that was the least thing in his mind every day. He was trying to figure out how to be better, how to better the world. I think 80%, 90% of the people didn't agree with anything he did back then when he was doing it, but that didn't stop him. He stayed focused on his mission and that's what we're talking about. The mission. Mic drop. (laughs) drop the mic walk out i'm just like thinking like i need to just put this on the wall so i can be focused man like it's crazy you know because it is so easy to get distracted yeah man and there was one part we completely forgot to talk about i mean we're he has so many things going on we forgot about his you you actually brought it up when we're uh, talking beforehand but his equity in uh english premier league with liverpool Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is, again, Man. insane. Like, you don't have many athletes doing that. And uh, that, you know, that statement that needs to be hung up on our, each of our walls, that, again, just a testament to what is happening with him. Yeah, man, it's 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 crazy, too. And it's like you you just see, you know, like Kobe and LeBron and that kind of like changing of the guard so to speak but it's so much more than just basketball right it's 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 everything it's just like how to be like an inspiring human being and yeah man it's just it's awesome to see that these guys are you know just just continuing to 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 run run with it yeah man 
they run it. They don't run with it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Exactly. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, if uh, let us know what you think about this whole LeBron. What, what would you call like LeBron's like you know business portfolio has to be like up there in terms of like you know non-athlete business people that have found financial success. He's got to be. I think. I think by the end of the by the end of his you know career by the end of our lifetimes he will be one of the most successful business people on the planet regardless of being an athlete or not yeah i can second that i what do you guys think? Would be. yeah true that it's just crazy to think about that man but all right well let us know what you think uh thanks for rocking with us for another hour we appreciate all of you supporting if you got a minute head over to itunes drop us a review or head over to patreon.com slash sneaker history and, and join us over there we appreciate you all listening uh my name is nick ingvall you can find me at nick ingvall on all platforms but more importantly just follow at sneaker history on all the platforms and uh, guys let them know how they can find you yeah mike gillery you can find me here sneaker history of course uh, also, Instagram and YouTube, or Instagram and Twitter at MadWatcher789. Then on YouTube at Mike Gillery. Robbie, where can they find you, sir? Yeah, you can find me at R A H B E E. The best rhyme around. Yep. Right on. Well, uh, appreciate everybody listening. We'll catch you next time. Peace. See you. Bye. What up, y'all? This is Nick again. First, I wanted to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. It really means a lot that you would spend a part of your day rocking with us. Before you take off, I wanted to ask a few favors. If you're looking for more content from the Sneaker History crew, head over to patreon.com slash sneakerhistory. Our Patreon members get access to exclusive episodes of the podcast, our latest merch, giveaways, and much more. You can become a member for as little as 5 bucks a month, and it really goes a long way supporting the crew. Next, make sure you're signed up for our email newsletter. We share updates about the footwear business, some of our favorite finds and deals, and other sneaker-related news a couple times per week. I like to think of it as a one-stop shop for the sneaker game, or at least a work-in-progress one-stop shop for the sneaker game, if you know what I mean. Last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. Whether online or in person, social distancing in effect, of course, it helps make the sneaker community a better place, and you never know what conversation and opportunity might come from it. As always, we appreciate you, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.